The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Coffee and cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. King on the load! Buckle up! 10-0 run for the Jays. Turnover. It is. Don't need a three in this possession. Get downhill. One timeout left. Greasel looking for help. Tommy Naga. Tie game. Back with you, Coffee and Cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers. And now let's talk a little Creighton basketball. We tried to get to Joel yesterday, but Joel had the luxury of dealing TSA, with the baby. TSA agents at the Vegas airport. Uh, but we're welcoming him back onto the show today. We'll get him back on Tuesdays normally. But Joel, welcome back to Omaha. How was the trip outside of the fact that you came back with two losses? Yeah, let me tell y'all, man. I, I, I don't got a ton of enemies, but TSA and Vegas... <laughs> Got, they got to see me next time. I'm <laughs> man, and then like I, I feel really bad. I, um, I like talking to you guys, and um, I tried to really make that work yesterday. And then the day before, I was supposed to get on sixteen twenty, and that time difference was so crazy. Um, I'm not a morning person, admittedly. Most people know that, <laughs> um, but you know, I woke up at eight like a like a good citizen that day. Um, and realized I missed my slot by like an hour or whatever it was because uh, the two-hour difference. So, man, the Vegas time difference was killing me. All the NBA games were done before the sun went down. Like, it was just <laughs> a crazy, crazy scene. Hey, let, let me let me get this out of the way real quick since you mentioned NBA and I never get to talk it even though I love it. Uh, I got four guys for you. Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Slot oh slot those mid-range guys for me. Oh, mid-range guys. You got to take Tatum one, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Hands down. <laughs> They're Kobe Do disciples. I, I, no, listen, Joel, this is your floor. You love you love the NBA. I'm just listening. Tatum's a, a St. Louis guy. That's why I said number <laughs> You're one a hater. for sure. <laughs> I think the book has to be one for me, just the way he's done it longer. Um, I think JT two, Shea Gilgis three, and then JB four. And I got a lot of love for JB. Um, Shea Gilgis, I, I can't think of. I mean, Shea Gilgis got a higher usage rate. I can't think of who actually spends more time in the mid range between him and and Jalen Brown. But it feels like um, Shea Gilgis is just more effective there. But I will say, like Jalen Brown, I, I would have to see the numbers, but. I just – Shea Gildas is just so effective once he gets a paint touch. So that's why he's ahead of him for me. But, yeah, top two are, are D-Book and JT for uh, me. If, are, you, are you moving Shea Gildas Alexander at the deadline with that contract looming? Um, if I'm the Thunder? Yeah. 
No, I mean the season he's had due to the a clear franchise player. You, you got some um, guys you're gonna got. have to pay though. Yeah, I think uh, yeah they got some decisions to make, but um, I think people gotta remember like they got some pieces still. Um, a lot. I don't know their record right now, but um, they haven't even had a game where they uh, played Chet Holmgren. Yep. Um, I'm sure they won't get the worst pick in this draft, which is a pretty uh, loaded draft upcoming. They got some decisions to make, but they're not in the worst spot, and they got uh, still got a heap of picks. So <laughs> they fleeced the NBA for those picks. <laughs> All right, let's t- let's talk, yeah. Creighton. I was I, I sat with uh, Sharif Mitchell last night. We were together watching. He was watching his little brother. I was watching my kid play at at, at Westside, and he was interesting, you know, because he talked about kind of them evolving into a team that understands roles with pressure of needing to be successful, how it's different being in the locker room than just us in the media saying, hey, man, you need a leader, right? There's obviously something to that, right, as you watch this team kind of find their way. Yeah, um, and I think the understanding roles is probably important on a team where – you got so many on-ball creators or guys that are capable of being initiators. Um, but that's something we knew before the season. I think um, you kind of mentioned it. What, what, what this team has struggled with during its recent stretch is you look around um, and there is no clear leader. Um, you know, there is no singular person that is going to put their foot down and rather the team like I guess you, you, you really had in Ryan Hawkins last year. And so um, that's 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 a problem in the early season, especially with a schedule like they played. I mean, they played one of their tougher stretches in all of college basketball. Um, I think I, I don't think it's far fetched. I mean, clearly Mac believes this um, more than anyone, but I don't think it's far fetched for them to have some success. Um, you know, in terms of vocality and leadership as a committee. I mean, that's that's what he's preached all year. But I think it would have been super difficult to happen this early. Um, I don't know the degree of success they have behind it, um, but I think it's possible down the line. But um, you're kind of seeing some of that manifest now, I think. Joel, you talk leaders, but who is that leader? Who needs to be that leader? Because a lot of people out there want it to be Shireman so badly, but is it him? I mean, you're around this team as much as anyone. Who can it be? Who should it be? Yeah, um, you know, the Farabella was the name that was tossed around um, in the summer by, by Mac. Because he was um, such a good was, shooter. Yeah, and, and I got to imagine it's hard um, for him because he hasn't had nearly the, the season that he was projected to have. I mean, he came in as a, a 40-plus percent three-point shooter, and he hasn't – I mean, he's had like half that kind of season. So – um, I gotta imagine he's he's dealing with his own stuff, um, but yeah, he he now the conversation shifted to where he could be one of the guys who's most vocal, but he can't be the guy. I don't think. And so you look around, and I don't know. I know people are lobbing uh, Baylor up as as a name, um, just because he's older and he's uh, played a lot of college basketball. But um, I don't think he's too far ahead of the rest of the guys. I think. I think, frankly, I think uh, you look around in terms of maturity um, for their age because they obviously do a lot of their core is uh, younger. Um, I think Ryan Nemhart 
mm. stands out in terms of maturity. And I don't know if it'll happen this year or by next year. Um, but I think Ryan Nembhard should be being looked to as that guy. Obviously, he's not ready, I don't think. But he's way more mature than I think a lot of sophomores are. So if I if I was on the outside looking in, I I I, I would think it would be him, frankly. It's cool to hear uh, and Sharif say like that's his guy, right? He's a, I think he's exceptionally close with Nimhard and they play the same position and it can be at your expense. And I think that's when real running can happen. So I don't think it's necessarily a chemistry issue, like would be the low hanging fruit to pick with this team, Joel, because I think there is a level of understanding. But let me ask you this, because people talk about shooting and behind the arc, three-point, you know, currently at about 34-ish percent shooting. And I was talking to my buddy Jacob Padilla yesterday. I think it's bigger than just the bottom line of what they do from behind the arc. It seems like the shot selection and the misses happen kind of when games are in in the balance or in crunch time where it's like, wow, that's not – how I'm accustomed to seeing Creighton play. How much of it can be condensed down to just how you play when it's nut-cutting time versus the regular course of game flow? Hmm. Not sure. Um, I do think that over the course of the game, before clutch time comes around, uh, they do – like you've seen some of these losses, um, obviously the last couple – are are different uh, without Cogbender. I think those are both obvious wins with Cogbender because obviously they were decided by you know one final possession. But with with some of these other losses, and you just kind of saw throughout the course of the the last two, um, they just their floor. There's a gamble that they that they have in their play style and relying so much on shot making because they do got so many guys that are supposed to be, you know, some of the better shot makers around. Um, and, you know, when they're not on, it just – it's hell for them, man. Um, yeah. And it's not like they have the defense they had last year that could carry them along the way on the other end when the shots weren't falling, um, which is something they have to pick up. But um, So I think through the course of a game, like, momentum is a real thing. And um, this is a team that, that you know – Outside of last game, because they they played a way different second half than they did first half last game. Um, this yeah, shot it really, a lot better. Yeah, and this team really like hasn't gotten that all season to, to to my knowledge. Like when I watch, like it feels like they have they like to replicate halves in terms of shooting and and whatnot. So um, in terms of momentum, like if they start out flat, like you won't see a ton of that barring the last two minutes when Baylor Shireman tends to hit three threes in the last 30 seconds to bring <laughs> he's he's been he's been clutch his whole life he he he's really that dude like he right. he's just a winner yeah it's it's been too little too late this year though, yeah. in, in a few games hey joel before we let you go i want to get to our poll question here and i want to ask joel joel do you or do you know of any kids uh whether it's in your family or you know that you know the answer to yourself this. uh acknowledge half birthdays no. Exactly. Man, Thank you. No. <laughs> that, is, that is such a spoiled idea. Uh, that is crazy. We barely celebrate birthdays. Yes! Uh, yes! Birthday, man. Oh. 
told you. Uh, listen, I, I, you didn't have to tell me anything. Hey, I kind of for, for whatever the reason, I knew we would be in lockstep, Joel. I'll let you figure out why. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, a great exit. Hey, I'm, I'm wild, Joel. You got to watch me, man. You'll figure that out the longer you're here. Uh, you got to watch me with both I eyes. Hear you, dog. <laughs> hey, take it easy, Joel. With it, man. Thanks, buddy. Too, man. Oh, that's great. Hey, uh, the poll results, too 91.3% said no. <laughs> he said no. No. Hey, if you missed anything, catch us on the pod morning dump. We have a lot more to talk about. You'll see us there.